back to the Cycling Tips Podcast. My name is Abby Mickey. We are here to talk about news. And I am joined by Ronan McLaughlin. Ronan, hello. Were you just on a bike ride? Ronan's wearing his kit. Uh, I was just on a bike ride. A, a cold bike ride, so I was wearing a balclava and full full winter kit, uh, which also just helps me hide a little bit from, yeah, just life in general at the moment. <laughs> Hold on. Does that mean that you're going to do this entire podcast in your chamois? Shoddy Dave, is that I, true? I, I if literally, you are in your I chamois, li- it's training time or no? Chamois time is training time. And I need it because I literally only did 35 minutes on the bike. I, I I just wrote about the time trial bike I built this year. And all that thinking and writing about the bike motivated me to go for a ride on said bike. James has something to say. Ronan, I think you putting in only, what would you say, 35 minutes today is perfectly fine, given that you sent me your riding summary from last week. And yes. let's see, let, let me see if I can recap this summary that you, that you described. You said that you were, you felt like you needed to ride to clear your head, but you ended up riding for so long that you forgot what you were clearing your head about. <laughs> so <laughs> something to that effect, yes. And thanks for just dropping me in it there. I, I, I was actually... Uh, working on reviews for a series of of bikes and wheels and all sorts that we're we're reviewing at the moment. So that that wasn't training at all. That was that was purely purely review work. <laughs> the amount of miles that you put in, though, you, there would have been plenty of coffee stops. You could have got your phone out, tapped away on there, done a mm. ton of work, emails. It was uh, it was anger writing, so there was no there was no option <laughs> to stop for a coffee. Oh, it was it was voice <clears throat> it was voice to text, Dave. <laughs> that explains a lot. Exactly. Not in the headphones he's got on though. I'm trying to I'm trying to like introduce everybody before they chip in. Oh. And I don't know how how successful it's been. Hi, I'm James. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, we have James back for the first time in like a really long time. James, we've all missed you. Thank you so much for being back. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Kid, how's it going? Uh, it's all right. I'm quite cold today, as you might be able to tell by the number of layers I'm wearing. You need like a little heater in your closet. I, yeah, yeah, it's very warm in the summer, which is uh, less than ideal during the tour. But you know, it's, it's also very cold in the winter. I don't know. There I am talking about weather again. There's no winning, Johnny. You also were complaining about the weather before we started recording. Good morning. Yes, because I left the UK in search of sunnier climes and came to the west coast of America, where according to all the TV shows and movies, it's sunny all the time. And San Francisco. Maybe I've just no, been no. misled my entire life, but I. I thought it'd be sunny, even though it's December. Well, well, clearly this is you not consulting with the right people because anyone who has spent any time at all in San Francisco could have told you that it is never really quite super cold, but it's never really warm enough either, ever. Why is it, Why does everyone live here then? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, it's, not, it's a nice place, but um, it's just been pissing it down. Are we allowed to say pissing it down? Probably. Well, I'm allowed to say anyway now because it doesn't really matter. But, um, we don't have any rules. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's been pissing it down since I got here, both um, meteorologically and metaphorically. <laughs> I should have included the weather report in. Uh, I, I sent you a massive guide, didn't I? A personal guide because I used to live there. Yeah, I wasn't going to bring up that guide, Dave, because um, I think it's uh, not necessarily a legal guide in all 50 or 51 states, however many there are. But um, I did appreciate it, even though I haven't partaken. But yeah, thank you for thank you for it. It's all right, mate. <laughs> I, I should publish it somewhere. In view, involves shotguns, weed, all sorts of goodies, doesn't it? Yeah, mate? really did. <sighs> really did. <laughs> all right, we have a surprising amount of news. I guess we're we're kind of headed into the season. The the season is getting closer and closer. So we actually have quite a bit of news to talk about today. But before we dive into that, um, the we've we, there's another elephant. We've got two elephants. Hanging out in the room wow. together. Um, <laughs> have, there's barely any room for the rest of us in here. You may have heard the news um, on Friday last week. Kit and Johnny both handed in their notices. So they've only got a few more podcasts with us. Ian Trelore also um, has resigned. You guys no longer part of the Cycling Tips crew pretty soon. We've been snapped up by British Cycling and they're going to be working on... Um sort of low sponsorship deals with like various child labor conglomerates and uh you know deep sea deep sea oil exploration and we're looking to really turn it or turn things around over there i mean good luck thank you i really appreciate that if anyone can do it yeah 
I think I think Johnny's going to go take up this the cycling ambassador role of Turkmenistan, isn't he? No, Ian's got his uh, he's got his designs on that, and I, you know we've we've divvied it all up nicely. I'm I'm pr- I'm pretty sure those sorts of folks have different plans in store for them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Ian, he's not safe anymore. Somebody check on him. Yeah, when was the last time anyone heard from him? Uh, well, <laughs> quite recently. Okay, <laughs> he's okay. Okay, that's good. Suffice to say, we're going to miss you all, though, guys. Well, we're going to miss you too. All right, let's do let's do a podcast. We've only got a couple left, so in the year, but also Wait, the other the other elephant. Oh, Kaylee being gone. He he's just he's left his elephant. Him him and Matt and they left their elephant in the room, chilling in the corner. Now, Kit and Johnny and Ian have joined. Their elephant has joined the previous elephant. So now it's just. One big elephant. It's a group of elephants called. A herd, isn't it? It's a herd, I think, yeah. It's a herd. Do you guys know um, the, I think, I don't know if it's a British cartoon, but Babar? Yeah. yeah. French. Love that. Is it French? Yeah. Yeah. My, oh, my French, baby yeah. book was a Babar baby book. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I have, um, I've made Lila's entire bathroom is Babar themed, Babar Aww. posters and Babar towels, because I just love. Anyway, the, we're going off topic. We've not even started the podcast, really. Before we dive into the news today, this podcast is brought to you by The Pros Closet. The off-season is the perfect time to upgrade your riding experience with The Pros Closet Shop, a wide selection of parts and apparel, and a curated catalog of new and certified pre-owned bikes. From top brands to niche names, The Pros Closet has road, gravel, mountain, and e-bikes in stock. Visit theprosclosetcom slash cycling tips for the best deals of the year. Enter code CTPODCAST to save $40 on the next purchase of $200. That's theprosclosetcom slash cycling tips with the code CTPODCAST. And thank you so much to The Pros Closet for sponsoring this episode. There's no easy way to start this episode with the news that came out last week, but... We're going to try um, some pretty horrific news that Davide Rebelin was killed by a driver. He's obviously been around the sport for a really, really long time. And this was quite a blow to the cycling community. Massive blow for the cycling community. This guy's been around since, well, sorry, this guy's been a professional since 1992 with uh, GBMG. If anybody remembers that pretty good Jersey, actually. And it's just, yeah. A thirty-year career. There's nobody else in the sport that can that can say that he had his ups and downs. Obviously, he had um, his controversies, but he was clearly a guy who was well, more than passionate about the sport, more than passionate about racing. To to stay in the sport that long, up to his up to what fiftieth birthday, is just yeah, fifty-one. He retired incredible. at fifty-one. Incredible. I'm actually I'm just going through the list. Like when you look at it, nineteen ninety-two. With GBMG, there's guys like that team back then was massive. There's, there's Cipollini, there's uh, Ballerini, Baldato, Vona, so many big names on there. And like then you start looking at the guys who were riding with him then when their careers started back in like the early 80s. Like the span of the people he's rode with is just mind-boggling. Um, yeah, I was in Italy for some of his final races. Uh, you know, the like some of the Italian, the Giro del Veneto and all that. Um, and he was just still there, like sort of plodding along. Like by the, you know, the racing for smaller teams is getting changed in like the front of front of vans when you know the other big world tour teams had their coaches. But his enthusiasm was was clearly still there. And on the press trip, I was traveling around with Barry Ryan from Cycling News, who spent a lot of the week uh, chatting to him sort of working it into a, you know, a profile of the end of his career, um, which obviously sadly kind of became his obituary. Um, and it's a magnificent piece if you haven't read it already on Cycling News. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's shocking. It's shocking anyway, but it's also shocking because you've so recently seen a guy like still out there racing his bike and then suddenly it's all, you know. Um, but yeah, the piece, if, you know, if you want to sort of feel in any way good or like want to remember sort of the better times then that piece is definitely worth checking out. 
No, I, I was with you there, Johnny, uh, at the Worlds, the Gravel Worlds, which he he rode in uh, Veresse. And I, I actually managed to, well, I interviewed him on camera, but looking back at the footage recently, uh, it was, uh, you couldn't really hear him. I wasn't able to put it out because it was so loud at the start. But just speaking to him then, you could see he was, he had that, still had that sparkle in his eyes, still had that enthusiasm. And he, you could see he was exceptionally keen to see what this new European gravel worlds uh, was all about. It was nice seeing him lining up for something new. I, I was out and surprise, surprise, given what we said earlier, but I was out on my bike when this news came through. <clears throat> and I sort of briefly seen the news and obviously it was on my mind the whole way home and that was kind of hard enough to, to tackle. Uh, and then just when I got home, I was sort of in the garage putting stuff away and opened my phone and, and seen how it had happened. And, you know, the obviously, you know, on nowhere near the same level, but the last couple of weeks have been quite tough for all of us here. And and just when I seen the news and given that he's so recently retired and two days earlier he was celebrating that retirement and then I seen what had happened, it, it, it actually just, I just, I, I cried. I just couldn't. It was just so upsetting to see um you know what had happened and and you know regardless of whether he was a 30 year pro or someone you know new to to bike riding you know, no nobody should not come home from riding their bike and it just yeah it was I, I, i'm kicking off here again but it was just so so tough to to read what had happened should we run through a few of his results well the one that always jumps out is obviously like in was it 2004 Four or five, he won Amstel, Flesh, and Liège in the one week, which is just, which is just, yeah, that's ridiculous. Has somebody done that since? Did Gilbert do that? I'm not sure, but Anna van der Bregen, Anna, Anna van der Bregen did that. Had done it since, but like multiple years <laughs> uh, in a but row. Just and yeah. and yeah, that that's incredible. Yeah, three Flesh Wallones, Liège, Baston, Liège, GC at Trino Adriatico. Uh, GC at Paris-Nice in 08, Amstel Gold, GP Swiss, Classic at San Sebastian, goes on and on. Mm. And he never raced World Tour. It's just kind of, you know, maybe that shines a light on how arbitrary it can be. I mean, this was a guy who just loved racing his bike, wasn't he? And in, and certainly in the latter years, it seemed like he just, he didn't care about results. He just wanted to keep riding with his mates, which, yeah, makes it more, makes it seem more, more impactful in a way. It's like, we should aspire to be like that, but then it, it makes it, yeah, kind of bitter, a seriously bitter pill when, like Runa said, how it happened. Yeah, and the investigation is ongoing, but they found the guy who did it, um, German guy. But the, I mean, like Ronan said, it's, I mean, it's it's like every partner of a cyclist's worst nightmare. Every cyclist's worst nightmare, I would hope. Thoughts to his family and friends, eh? Thanks, Shadi. Other news to come out of the week. There's some news that came out today that we've been talking about in multiple episodes leading up to this point, and that is that B&B has finally kind of figured out that they will not be a team next year. They, they All the riders have been told to look for other teams. Um, they had a call on Friday, and things are definitely not looking good over there. I think there's still hope that there might be a continental setup, but yeah, it's definitely, you know, all the big names that we've been talking about for so long, it's, they are looking elsewhere. Or in fact, let's face it, they have been looking elsewhere for about a month. Um, so it's just a matter of waiting for people to sign on the dotted line, um, I think. It's a real shame because, I mean, I think the something that doesn't get talked about enough is the women's team that's connected with this new project. And we just haven't really heard what's happening there. Um, I, I'm not particularly hopeful, unfortunately, given that it seems like all last funding opportunities are drying up. And if he wants to continue with the continental setup with the existing contracted riders, who knows? I mean, it's it's very, very late in the year already. Um, so it's just not a particularly happy situation. I wonder if they're, they'll just call the men's team and use whatever they have left for the women's team because it's not like a women's team takes as much i mean there are less riders there's less races so the budget is just smaller 
even if you pay the women the same amount as you would pay the men, it's just less needs. But yeah, like we don't know anything about the women's team yet. We literally don't know it exists yet, but unless you've, you know, heard the rumors because they haven't announced anything. I mean, everybody kind of knows that Audrey Cordon Rigaud, the French uh, double national champion, is kind of heading the team. But but yeah, there's there's still no news about the women's team. Hopefully something will come up later in the week, but um major bummer for a very, very long running men's team. I, I have heard rumblings on the French uh grapevine that there was also a kind of a bit of uh conflict of interest or uh, a bit of something going on because apparently the team early on in the year partnered with Paris as some kind of sponsorship. And uh, that upset a lot of the, the Bretons, the, uh, the people behind the team, because it's pre- always been a, a team based out of Brittany. So there's definitely something sort of rumbling there. Uh, I've, yeah, chatting to, lo- chatting to people who yeah know a few things here and there. I didn't get a full story, but yeah, apparently that's... I'm getting nods from Johnny here. Um, just just in terms of his interest, and I've got zero sources or connections within the French scene. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. Well, this, this... Yeah, I think the I think the women's team was supposed to be called Paris. Mm. It was announced at the Tour de France, I think, that the city of Paris was going to have mm. a connection. Although there wasn't going to be financial any 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 financial help from them. Um, it does seem really peculiar. It does. Yeah, I, I mean, the latest I read um, with regards to the Breton connection. I mean, initially B&B was going to stick around, but as a much smaller stakeholder. But then last week I read somewhere that one of the options was that B&B, B&B hotels might reconsider their, um, well, their reduction in funds. Um, but evidently that's now, which would then, I presume, make them more of a Breton team again. But that um, maybe has also not worked out or they can't pay for any more so they can only uh, support a continental setup hmm. well now the question of Cavendish is like even more interesting <laughs> yeah what happens I don't know maybe he's in a B&B hotel's accommodation trashing <laughs> the place at the minute in frustration he won't have much room room to do that mind but um, yeah it's, I mean does he does he get swept up late by a team you know, and fun, probably funded by outside sponsors, but it's going to be, I mean, that's still the big story. And until it gets resolved, I think that'll be one of the, the biggest stories doing the rounds um, until we have a clear answer. I mean, there are, there are definitely world tour teams that still have like one spot available, but the question is, do they have the funds? And the answer is no. But Cavendish has been paid by outside sponsors before. Um, and, and uh yeah wasn't he when he was on quickstep wasn't he sponsored by some like canadian meat alternative yeah <laughs> weird <laughs> there are some i mean barry and victoria so i was i was having a look at the list of um teams this morning um and how many they have in their confirmed rosters obviously this doesn't include anyone who is probably going to be there who hasn't been confirmed yet but byron victorious um is one of those with most space, so they so Cavendish could turn up with surely he can't go back with to a crony, um, <laughs> but that's the big issue, obviously. Um, with Bahrain, I mean, others that um, others that have a bit more room than one spot include AG2R, which is very unlikely. Um, and Group Armour also, I mean, Arno Demar is going to the Tour de France, right? Um, and then Arkea. And Wanty. Um so yeah, I mean there are options, but I I mean, I suppose I think Arkeo is the one that I can see him most likely going to, although NASA behind him won't be very happy. I guess Cab doesn't actually need like in the past he would have had, you know, his whole like squad that he would bring with him to a team, but he kind of proved at Quick Step he doesn't really need that. I mean, Quick Step is kind of a a little bit different than a lot of the teams you just listed because they're already equipped with a lead out squad, but he still can kind of manage at this point in his career. Yeah. He doesn't need seven guys. 
I would. Just I really it. want him to win another tour stage. Yeah, me I too. Really hope. Ugh. I'm calling it now. Total Energies. Oh. They've got they've got the money. That Total Energies could come in with big bags of cash, no problem. Can you imagine Sagan and Cav on the same team though? Yeah, Sagan don't race anymore, though, does he? Just turns up. <laughs> yeah, Those are but still, two huge personalities. They bump like... shoulders and one of them breaks and then they have a fisticuffs. Could be one way to get Sagan racing again. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Total Energies is super loyal to Sagan anymore at this point. They've kind of shifted their focus a little bit. So Torji. To who? To Great. not Sagan? Just to anyone? Yeah, to everyone else. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh well, speaking of a potential sponsorship with Paris, a city that has long been a fixture in cycling, it was finally announced, confirmed. We've kind of known this was coming, but it was finally confirmed by the Tour de France that the Tour in 2024 will end in Nice because of a conflict with the Paris Olympics that will be going on roughly around the same time as the end of the Tour. So that's that's interesting that the that that's happening. I mean, we, we did know it was going to happen, but I think it's going to be a time trial. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. From Monaco. Yes. Time trial of Monaco, Denise, finish the tour. I mean, it doesn't even matter where it is. Just the time trial is the final stage of the tour. That's been waiting for that since I was two years of age. <laughs> 1989, <laughs> the last time I think it happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 89 is the first tour I remember. It sticks in my We're not the same age then, Dave. Quite well, understandably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just no. It's going to be awesome. I I can't wait to see it. A time trial. It's admitting, like, yeah, Paris is tradition and all that lot. But sometimes you've got to break with tradition to spice things up. And that like, it's all sprinters finishes. Yeah, it can get a bit boring, can it? It also makes more sense of the next tour route for twenty twenty three with so little time trialing. They're returning, or you know, they, while they've taken away time trialing with one hand, they've given it back for twenty twenty four with a final day time trial. That's I'm, I'm I'm much happier now about next year's tour route than I was before. Does that mean you think there are going to be about a hundred kilometers in twenty twenty four? No, no, no. It just like, here it could be a kilometer. It's just the fact that it's on the final day. That's what matters. <laughs> The only the only thing is that it means that, and this this comes from a very uh, selfish and looking at ourselves point of view, is that we'll all have to work the final day of the tour. Whereas usually it's sort of like you have a beer around, you know, before they've even hit the shops. Um, but for Ronan, that might be helpful because this year, you know, the the day after stage twenty one didn't exactly didn't exactly go to plan. But I mean, they're probably drinking venues in in Nice that will also do the job. John, I wouldn't. Re- I wouldn't worry if I was you. Just a reminder: you have resigned, so you won't have to do the tour. <laughs> Harsh. Uh, hey, I forgot, John, I forgot about that. He might, might be working behind. <laughs> might be working behind one of the stands or something. Might be working in the village. Yeah. I'm going to be wearing the polka dot um, suit, uh, dancing to the dancing to the songs on stage as uh, Pierre Latour gives me a dirty look every morning. I'd pay to see that. You could also apply for the uh, the race, the pre-race caravan. I could, yeah. <laughs> I could. <laughs> they look like they have so much fun. Ch- chucking stencils and rulers out at French children. You can pick up some supplies now where you are, stash them away and use them in 2024 for like three weeks, trotting around France on that uh, caravan. Maybe maybe I could uh, hit up ASO and try and try and become one of their press guys, if only to wear the sort of beige uh, slacks. Oh, see, I'm picking up American words, slacks. I've forgotten <laughs> what the English word was there, the proper That's English not word. It's an American it's, word. It's definitely, it definitely, is. Is. definitely an American word. Definitely is, Abby. <laughs> that's chinos to us. <laughs> oh, that's it, yeah. Oh, God, I need to get, I need I to get home I ASAP. <laughs> hmm. James, would you say slacks? Uh, I mean, I know what you were... I know what you were referring to, Johnny, but I don't think I've ever actually seen anyone refer to like pants as slacks. Uh, okay, it's yeah. a type of it's a subset. Clearly, in the short space of four weeks, I've become a true-blooded patriot. So you know, go America. <laughs> no, you got to be like America. Okay, <laughs> anyway, it's um, still early. <laughs> it- it's going to be an interesting route, the tour, because it starts in Florence. Yeah. Mm. First, Florence, ever, it, first ever like, Italian start. 
So I feel like everyone's disappointed with this year's stage, just like missing 95% of France out. <laughs> starting in Florence. Starting in Florence is like, you can have like the Alp, probably the Alps first. But back then, to the Alps. From, yeah, and then back to the Alps. Well, if they start in Florence and finish in Nice, they've only got a tiny, tiny piece of France. It's only going to take them a few days. It's not even going to be three weeks. It's just one long time trial running. I think <laughs> yes. the, the thing with, I think one ele- interesting element to the finish in Nice is the, you know, we talked about it a few weeks ago, is actually that there won't be that massive, crazy long transfer at the end. So they'll save you a little bit of money and save a little bit of the environment, which is quite nice. It's, you know, it's by accident, really. Is it nice? Uh-huh. Oh, oh Abby. Uh, <laughs> have, they, have they said that, Kit? Because it could still finish in like the far end of the Pyrenees or something. No, I'm just, and, you know, I'm I'm uh, piecing together what what... Somebody is going to say after the fact because it works out and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely about the environment. This looks to me like the most e-friendly, e-vehicle-friendly tour. Florence to Nice. (laughs) Listeners to a previous episode of the podcast might get that reference. (laughs) I reckon they'll finish stage 20 up near Paris just to keep with that tradition of the final slog all the way down to the south coast. You know, you can't change too many things. Oh, stage 20 can be the Roubaix stage. Yes. <laughs> yeah, then a time trial, yeah. That'd be perfect. Uh, and in 2024, we might actually see Remco Evenepoel going for the title because it's been announced that he will race the Giro d'Italia in 2023 and potentially the Tour in 2024. I mean, this is Lefebvre saying potentially, isn't it? He's obviously going to race the Tour in 2024. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I'm, there have been so many stories already about which Grand Tours he's racing in like the year 2054 that I'm already bored of them. It's just like, gee, like I know it's the off season, but it's surely it's better to like talk about nothing than talk about things that will like already stories about the 2023 Tour de France are a bit, bit early, but I mean, come on, really. He's, but he's Remco Evenepoel. If he sneezes, yeah. it's news. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, true. There, there is also the opportunity. Just we, we know that tour routes have been, if not made for riders, certainly made to favor certain riders in the past. And with it being so long since a Belgian tour win, I'm not saying the ASO want a Belgian tour winner, but I uh, imagine that Remco Evenepoel would winning the tour would not be the worst news ever for ASO. And with a final time trial, all they have to do now is add in one more time trial somewhere else in the race, and they pretty much handed it to him if, if they went for like a Wigan style you know not as mountainous course yeah but that would be they, a real shame Ronan if you were choosing if you were choosing the route mm-hmm. route where would you put another time trial would you put it in the beginning I mean you would have a prologue and then around about stage 5 you'd have a team time trial and stage 10 you might have like a 60k time trial and then you like the last day you could have around you know called it forget the called so like you could just do the week? final stage of Paris as a time trial <laughs> on the final day <laughs> Mm. So I, I would I would probably go my my ideal ideal tour would be three a prologue and two time trials. See, while we're talking about Evan Paul, I mean we've all you've all heard me talk about how much I don't think he's a Grand Tour racer, even though he's won the Vuelta. But he does know how to prepare for a race, um, and so although I don't right now think that he'll even win the Giro because it's much more climby than the Vuelta. I don't, I would not, I, I'm 50-50 on it because I think, I I think he's pretty damn good at putting together a training program and targeting a specific event. Um, so I, I'm reserving judgment on whether he can win the tour and what the tour, uh, what Remco to the tour is likely to hold for us. I will confess, having seen that time trial, I thought, ah, oh, but hopefully they won't dumb down the whole route to make it more of Vuelta 22 because that wasn't very mountain heavy. Um, and that did favor Remco version 2022. I don't know. I, I want to see, my hope is that we see Remco Evenepoel boss the mountains at the Giro. Um, and then that gives the tour organizers an opportunity to make their tour as climb heavy as Vingegaard and Pogacar want it. And anybody else who rises up uh, into those positions in the coming well twelve months, and then we have a blockbuster tour in twenty twenty four. And I think you know, an Evanapool trying to do an Evanapool and go all out 
from the gun. A bit like progress I did in his second tour would be rather exciting and would put a spanner in the works for a lot of other teams. I think the issue though is that he's not ever going to have a team that's all that's built 100% around him because of the sprint interest at quick step. Also, the 2024 tour will probably, unless he crashes out of the Giro, be his first ever Tour de France. So, I mean, yes, that was it was also the case for Pogacar. So that's maybe not even a reason anymore. But uh, yeah, there are lots of caveats to the the whole the whole idea. I'll be I'll decide how I feel about him racing the tour if I'm excited or not after I see him. That's race exactly Giro, my point. Because yeah. you're right the the Volta was the Volta was just. I mean. I'm sorry. It was a snooze fest every day. It felt like agreed. <laughs> Starting in Florence, Italy, as well. Like you don't know if he's going to be allowed into the country if he's still like a spokesperson for <gasps> Pizza Hut. That's a very good point. That's not real pizza at all, is it? There we go. <laughs> Are there Pizza Huts in Italy? Maybe at airports. I don't know. Un- until mm. recently, there were Domino's in Italy. Really? That is madness. There's only, I think there's nine Starbucks in Italy. (laughs) Yeah, and and Gregor Brown goes to all of them every single day. (laughs) (laughs) Does Gregor really go to Starbucks in Italy? Uh, I'm not sure about Italy, but in France, like if you're if you're like driving between tour stages, there's a Starbucks, and you're you're stopping yeah, at that station. Sucks. You're guaranteed. Yeah, and in fairness, Johnny, you yeah, know but, what you're getting if you go to a Starbucks in France. Yeah, but there's still to... something just so wrong about it. You know, there's still something so wrong. Like you should, you have to, you have to firm up and drink the Senseo coffee. No, no, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm what you signed up for. This one, and I'm behind him in this queue and every motorway. Yeah, Starbucks you are. <laughs> Oh, Gregor is still so American. He'll be happy with the Florence start. So at least, you know, maybe ASO have pandered to to Gregor's wishes. I mean, we'll have to confirm that, but I think there's a strong likelihood. It'll be a very long commute for him. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Another Tour de France star was back racing his bike over the weekend. Wow, Van Aert. But he was beaten by Matthew Vanderpool at the Antwerp World Cup cyclocross. I'm just my segues. I'm just trying yeah, to. Yeah, keep it was good. It's good. I, I thought you were talking about Pagacha because he good. raced the Madrid Criterium over the weekend. <laughs> he did. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're a Criterium podcast now. <laughs> Can you imagine how hard it is for a World Tour rider to race their bikes in December in Madrid, where very few of them live, only to turn up? And have it be raining like it was for this criterium. So to race a criterium in December in the rain. Uh, Massive entry money, right? Because because why? It's a win, Abby. Pogaccia didn't win though, did he? Did he not? I think so. Well, he was on the top of the... Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure he did. did. I thought he he won. Uh, Well, that shows you how much attention I paid to this. Uh, You and everybody else. (laughs) I thought it was Juan Ayuso who won, but possibly not. (laughs) When I saw the the like news bit, I was like, "Oh, somebody forgot to publish this months ago." <laughs> <laughs> but but just think, he's won his last three races of the season: uh, Lombardy, how to pronounce that one? Three Valley, Valen, whatever it is, hey. and then the Madrid Crit. Impressive, cause I and then he did win that uh, Madrid Crit in like full winter kit as well. Like overshoes, tights, job lot. I mean, the the most impressive win of the three you just mentioned is definitely the Madrid Madrid crit. It's a prestigious title. His most challenging challenge lies ahead, though, when he has to go head to head with myself next week at a Colnago bike launch. What? So Ooh. that that will no doubt be Ooh. the most challenging thing in Pogaccia's season. So that's why you were training last week. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did I just admit to that? Well, I'm looking forward to hearing the update on that. You know, UAE actually already released their new kit for next year. What do you what guys think kit? of it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're not very original over there. They're not so like, boring. They, c- they could hire a graphic designer. Trek obviously did. Theirs is like all kinds of funky on the back. Yeah. What's, What's the, the update any- about the kit? I haven't seen it. It's not been updated, Johnny. Is That's a joke. One? Um, they've just uh, got a new kit sponsor. It's called Pissy. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, 
Pisse, pisse. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't Which really know. Which is actually the call that goes out in the peloton when it's time to take a nature break. Pisse, pisse. Is actually what they say. Well, and Tade Pagacha, at least on my small sample size, has one of the strongest streams of the bunch. So I uh, guess it makes That's sense. That's why he wins so much. Yeah. Piss is like a winner. Nothing more needs to be said on yeah, that. It's just true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, there's a little bit of news on the women's side. Marta Cavalli extended her contract with FDJ Suez Futuroscope for the next two years, which is which is awesome. I think it's safe to say that she's found a lot of success at that team. And I'm really glad that she's going to be staying in that environment because she was one of the most exciting riders of the 2022 season. Um, hopefully she comes back stronger next year after her crash in the Tour de France Femme. Cause I would love to see her be a contender for the, well, they're not grand tours, but for lack of a better term, the women's grand tours for next year. Kit, before we jump into Nerd Alert, do you want to talk a little bit about the Track Champions League finale in London? What's Ronan shaking his head at? This was really good, I have to say. You know, I've, I, for fear of becoming the Track Champions League expert, I don't really care. It was great fun. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Am I being taken the make out of it? It's the Track Champions League. It was good. It was very dramatic finale. Um, and uh, I think that the second year has really leveled up on the first. And I have it from the horse's mouth that there are exciting updates coming, which I can't say, can't talk about. But um, it's, uh, I'm, I'm really thrown. <laughs> I, sorry, I wasn't, I wasn't taking the mic out of you. It was just how, how um, forthright your defensiveness over your love for the track, your track champions league was and i i fully respect it and you know someone's got to watch it i guess yeah well see that's the thing that is one so for a criticism <laughs> you do i think the reason that this the finale was good was because i know what happened all the way through so it was really 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 close um i mean there were there was uh, one league separated by neil Poin. Um, at the top, Claudia Imhoff and Sebastian Moro were separated by just positions in form, in earlier races. Um, and there were four or five riders who could have taken the title in the endurance men's event. And then the sprinters, the men's sprinters were, there were only, there was only two points between them and they'd been winning everything from the very start. Um, and the, and again, in the women's endurance event, Katie Archibald was breathing down Jennifer Valenti's neck. Um, so there was a lot that could have happened on Saturday night. And there were some great events with some great tactics on show. Um, and it was, a, it was, there was real drama. But yeah. Like you say, I mean, I, I watched it. I watched every, every round. So it, I had seen every episode of the series um, and I understood the arc. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of, I think, I think there's a lot of potential for it to be really great in the future. Um, and uh, it'll be, it, what I'll be interested to see is next year, with it being so close to the Paris Olympics. I mean, whether the same calibre of riders turn up, but also how that influences the racing. One of the things that has been interesting and that's been particularly obvious this year is that, so everyone does two events every Saturday night for, well, four weeks, um, and then two events back to back on Friday, Saturday. So that gives them 10 chances to test out their tactics for these events that they've, that they've made their bread and butter which is why we've seen so many different scenarios, even when you've got the same winners every time, which I wasn't necessarily expecting. I thought that that repetitive, you know, you've got individual sprint and you've got Kira and then you've got scratch race over and over again. But actually there have been different stories playing out um, every round. So I would urge you to maybe think about watching it next year. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I'm done. It's okay. We can move on. <laughs> You, you mentioned Claudio Wilmoff as well, and if I heard correctly, he he actually won that did. close battle. And I thought that was kind of nice to see, given how the sort of injuries that he's fought his way back from this year. Like it, it at one point looked like he might not actually race again. So um, I, I think that's I, I enjoyed seeing that. Anyway, nice guy. And he was really, really, really well. 
yeah, passionate about it, emotional. And he, uh, I mean, maybe it was heat of the moment, but he's called it one of the biggest achievements of his career when he was able to win the whole thing on Saturday night, which goes to show, and, and that's not, that wasn't a, a unique perspective. A lot of the riders have been, yeah, I mean, I, I said it um, a few weeks ago, those who, the people who've enjoyed it most have been the riders, have that opportunity to race. And um, yeah, to see Claudia Imhoff snatch it and for everyone to be so happy for him as well was definitely something that made Saturday quite so good. I have to disagree with him though. His biggest achievement is becoming a man of the Ross in 2018. Uh-huh. He finished the, the Ross. I feel like the the track Champions League has so much potential and it bums me out that the, I don't know if it's just that the, um, the social media around it isn't good enough or like they're not pushing it hard enough because I feel like, yeah, if people were to actually watch it, it's so much easier to follow episode to episode, like you said, than, than bike racing, which is just like, you have to know what you're looking for. You have to know what races to watch, to know who's going to be good at what race and everything building into the tour and blah, 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 blah. But like, if you have what, six, consecutive races and it's the same kind of format for everyone it it seems like it's got a recipe for success if people would just kind of tune into it yeah i think that's um something that i yeah it's, i think they need a bit more build up and i guess also they should make a netflix show huh? yeah maybe i mean they, they, i was very when i turned up at the um berlin round i was quite surprised by just how big of an operation it is and much bigger than it was last year um, so there's a lot there and, uh, well, actually I should point out that, and I, I, I'm not sure I particularly care about this element of it, but they are doing a, um, they've, I, I don't know if it's a kind of plug-in thing, but they've got a metaverse element to it now, um, where, um, anyone who cares enough to try it can <laughs> step into the world and, and, <laughs> and, uh, and there are, there are other features that you can pick up on. There we go. Ronan's already in. Um, <laughs> Uh, so that's something that they're working on as a kind of... I always keep a VR headset at hand. Yeah. You're a geek, man. <laughs> You're so nerdy. I think, uh, I think a metaverse aspect will be the key that unlocks um, their potential to go on to greater success, personally. Why do I detect, why do I detect the slightest hint of sarcasm out of your voice, Johnny? Uh, Let's tread carefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know james that, that, that seems like uh that seems like a that seems like a you thing i never you, you, picked, remember, you picked that up in america as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> john is in san francisco which is like next to silicon valley so he's clearly bought into the whole whole idea yeah you know i saw a, a quick uh, segue there's a hospital here that's called the zuckerberg something hospital that is the last hospital I'd ever want to go to. You mad? <laughs> How did they let that happen? It's called money, Johnny. It's called money. But yeah, anyway. How do they let a lot of things happen, Johnny? Yeah. It's crazy. Anyway, I, for one, am looking forward to the Track Champions League next year. I watched the replay of the final round yesterday, and I thought it was great, mostly because I love Jen Valente, like, so much. So... <laughs> Yeah, and she's the only. Oh, well, spoilers, whatever. It's it's happened. She's the only only one who kept the blue jersey of league leader from round one. So, chapeau, Jennifer Valenti. She's pretty. Yeah, she's pretty amazing. Should we dive into nerd alert? I got. Can I? I've got one bit of news which I think just made me smile this week. Donovan Grodin of um, Arkea Samsek. So he's. He's actually is well more known for his track prowess rather than his road road uh, credentials. His off season is from Reunion Islands. He, he went and did the Mega Avalanche over there this weekend, which is uh, if anybody doesn't know, it's massive downhill race, mass start downhill race. Um, that starts at something like two and a half thousand meters, and it's just a twenty k descent mass start. They have one in Alpes that starts at 3,000 metres, and then they have this one. And I was just like, he did. The, he got like eighth in the e-bike uh, uh, Why do you race. need an e-bike and downhill? Think, that's what I was wondering. But it's just that like, his team cannot be watching him, can they? They're letting him do a massive downhill, a mass start downhill race. 
in the off season is is clearly not interested in having a good start of the season. I mean, he's not wasting energy at least. If he's both got a he's going downhill and he's on an e-bike. I'm guessing he that did it because it's his own race as well. Hmm. Anyway, should we move into Nerd Alert? James, you've been sitting here. You've actually chimed in a couple times. It's been great. What have you got for us that's nerdy this week? Okay. Uh, so our friends over at Road.cc, they broke the news about a week and a half ago or so that Gore was discontinuing uh, production of its Shake Dry fabric. Um, so regular listeners and readers of Cycling Tip will know that we are huge fans of that material because it's I mean, it, it's expensive and it's not terribly durable and it generally really only comes in black or gray, which is not necessarily great for inclement riding, uh, inclement weather riding. Um, but it's inherently waterproof. There's no coatings required and it's super breathable. It packs down to nothing. It's super lightweight. Um, I think it it's basically been the preferred material of choice for rain jackets over the last few years. Um and yeah, the material is being discontinued, which was uh, something that people did not expect. Uh, so on the surface, most people seem to have attributed that to uh, supply chain issues. And Gore's official statement kind of hinted at something like that, sort of, or that that's kind of what they let people think anyway. Um, but uh, but I will say that Josh Ross over at Cycling News did a really really nice piece on uh, what is likely the root cause of this. Uh, this uh this production stoppage, or I guess this production uh, cancellation or whatever you want to call it, um because the the material is like I think people have also heard of these things called forever chem uh, forever chemicals these PFAS chemicals, um and shake dry the technology that is used to produce this stuff uh involves a fair bit of that stuff apparently I mean Gore's um entire range of waterproof waterproof breathable memories has uh is is kind of pretty heavily rooted in PFAS or PFOS stuff, I guess, uh, but either way, like like forever chemical stuff. So Gore has to move on to a different technology in order to be, uh, I guess, environmentally viable. And that apparently is why Shake Dry is going to be no more. So if you were interested in getting a Shake Dry jacket, uh, the various companies have stockpiled the material. So you'll be able to, you'll be able to probably buy one maybe through 2023. Um, but after that, um, who knows what's going to happen? Gore has moved on to some sort of like expanded polyethylene material now uh, that supposedly is going to be a little bit more environmentally friendly, but uh, remains to be seen how well that stuff performs. But yeah, if you're into shake dry, you really wanted to get a jacket. Now is the time. Can I just say, James, you've, you've meant you've highlighted two of the websites. Say you've bigged them up. You're not thinking of, um, is, is there any reason for that, mate? <laughs> uh, no, no. I like I I will say I I I actually started my career yeah, with cycling news in 2005. Now that I think about it, um, I don't know. So like, would it be sort of like a, like full circle? I guess in theory it would be, but no, I'm, I have no plans on going to either of those publications right now. Just in case anyone was wondering, I'm just winding, mate. I'm just winding. But no, I think that material's wicked. It's going to be sad to see it go because it is like one of the best. Material, like you say, it's ridiculously expensive, but it does the job like exquisitely. It's amazing. Like, I've good never stuff. used a rain jacket. That's so good. It is amazingly, amazingly good stuff. So I can only imagine what Gore is going to replace it with, knowing that the company has extremely big shoes to fill. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. It's got to come up with something at least pretty reasonably close to it. I I got sent a, a lovely Castelli one. A few years back, unfortunately, it was a small, and since then I've got dad bod, so I might I might have to tap somebody up for another one. <laughs> In a mess. I've got dad bod, and I don't even have kids yet, so <laughs> never had a small. You just now nah, you'll have you'll have Mexican food, but by the by the time you, you leave San Fran, mate, burrito bod. <laughs> <laughs> The continuing like supply chain issues in the in the tech industry are really interesting. I mean, um, like unrelated, but you said supply chain, and I was thinking about I got a stroller for my baby, and is a toolie, which would usually be like incredibly made, and it's it broke within like a week, and I'm pretty sure it's supply chain. Like 
because things just aren't being made as well anymore for various reasons. James, what do you think? Do you think I'm right? I mean, it could be that. It could be like, you know, various small parts substitutions and stuff like that. And also a lot of people just don't want to work. Um, I mean, there's definitely all sorts of issues with, with labor shortages. Oh, that's mean. <laughs> that was that's not what I meant. <laughs> Dodging these shots, James. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me for a second while I go ahead and put, pull my foot out of my mouth. <laughs> that was excellent. <laughs> Kit's gone exceptionally red. What? <laughs> You better keep all this in, Abby. I was about to say, have fun editing this podcast. (laughs) What what that was supposed to mean was that there's labor shortages everywhere and like people, companies everywhere are Mm -hmm. having a hard time holding on to qualified people who are are just doing various (laughs) jobs. So stuff's not getting done. And this is why Johnny's (laughs) going to go and do the business over at British cycling. Well, now now it's uh, now it sounds like there's a couple of openings at Tula as well. So you know, I'll have to I'll have to assess my my options. Send me a new stroller. <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's also a bummer about Gore. Gore's been Gore's like such a popular company. Totally, they'll definitely come up with something. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll they have something. I'm sure they have we'll a plan see. of some sort for this. Um, I mean, again, like we don't really know exactly what that is just yet. And their the official statement that they put out was super, super kind of vague. I mean, like I'll, I'll go ahead and read it to you. So it says, quote, Gore-Tex Shake Dry is and will remain a central part of Goreware product offering to serve the needs of endurance athletes in all weather conditions. Unfortunately, the Gore-Tex Shake Dry technology is no longer offered from Gore Fabrics due to ongoing supply challenges. But we are excited about the Gore-Tex Shake Dry technology and therefore did invest into our inventory position last year to ensure we can offer it until which time the current inventory runs out, unquote. So keep in mind that is a quote from Goreware. It's not from Gore. Uh, it's not from the company that makes the fabrics. It's from Goreware, the, the, the clothing company, which are two technically separate entities. Um, but yeah, part of that is this stuff is no longer no longer going to be made. And the other part of that statement is it's a central part of our clothing line so take that as you will Hmm. something to keep an eye on all right well we successfully made a podcast pat pat yourself on the back okay thanks everybody for listening we'll be back next week we've only got like i don't know how many more podcasts with you guys like oh man next week might be kit's last podcast maybe possibly that's quite depressing But we'll be back to talk about whatever happens. Maybe we'll finally know the question that's been plaguing everybody for months and months. Where the hell is Mark Cavendish going to ride his bike? I'm not holding my breath. We've got a few vacancies. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe cut that last one out. That that sounds like it's finally... We have so many vacancies. We've got... Oh, my God. (laughs) There's empty rooms anyway. Everywhere. Anyway... Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye. See ya. Bye.